broadcasting from Duxu Village on Jeju Island. This is the Koreophile, a weekly podcast about music, culture, and society from around the peninsula. Mandre Goulet. This episode is produced in collaboration with the Jeju Weekly. On this episode, music and interviews from the Jeju 4-3 Commemorative Street Festival. What's 4-3? The following is a historical primer on the most formative part of Jeju's identity. On April 3rd, 1948, Jeju Island was caught in a Cold War conflict, and a civil war-like period of violence and human rights abuses began. This was known as the Jeju Uprising and Massacre. The seeds of this uprising were sowed after Japan's defeat in World War II, which saw the South and the North of Korea occupied by American and Soviet troops. The conflict between these two parts of the country and these two nations uh, heated up on the 14th of November of 1947. The UN passed UN Resolution 112, which called for general elections in Korea under UN supervision. The Soviet Union balked and refused to comply. The UN Assembly then adopted a new resolution calling for elections of a new regime in the South. At this point, Jeju erupted in violence. Labor Party leaders like the Communist Workers' Party planned rallies on the 1st of March to denounce and block the upcoming elections scheduled for May. The police react. They kill six protesters and arrest thousands. The rebels planned a retaliation. On April 3rd, 1948, they attacked 11 police stations and burned polling centers for the upcoming election. The South Korean government then sent 3,000 soldiers to reinforce the Jeju police, several hundred soldiers mutiny, handing weapons to the rebels. The government wanted a full surrender. The rebels, disarmament of local police, dismissal of governing officials, and a prohibition of paramilitary groups on the island. Most of all, though, they wanted a reunification of the Korean peninsula. These negotiations fell apart, and the conflict continued until the beginning of the Korean War in the June of 1950. After the outbreak of hostilities, the South Korean military ordered a preemptive apprehension of suspected leftists across the nation. Thousands of people were detained in Jeju and they were sorted into four groups, A, B, C, and D, according to their security risk. The South Korean Navy instructed Jeju police to execute everyone who fell into either C or D by firing squad. The South Korean soldiers then assaulted Jeju villages, killing and raping everywhere. When it was over, 70% of Jeju's 230 villages had been burned and 15,000 people killed as victims of targeted killing. This is according to South Korea's Truth Commission. The estimated total death toll, 30,000 people. I'm Katie, and I'm from Australia. Katie, why did you come down here today? Um, because I think that four, three is a very important tragic, tragic event on Jeju and I wanted to know more about it and yeah. When did you first hear about it? Um, well, I studied Korean culture so way back, as very, very briefly I sort of heard of it in my um, history, kind of. Okay. Were you, you studying back in Australia? Yeah. So what brought you to Jeju? Furthering of my Korean language skill, I guess. So. What's your take on the commemoration uh, happening? Why is it a good thing for Jeju culture to recognize this every year? For me, I think the most important thing is so it isn't repeated. It's not so much, I think, for um, you know for the people who are involved or necessarily you know um, the tragedy itself. I think it's mostly so that the young people and everybody kind of understands what happened, the severity of it, and so that it doesn't happen again. Uh, South Korea's president did not attend today's morning ceremony, uh, the commemoration ceremony. Should she have been there? It's hard for me to say. I don't know a lot about politics, but I, from my gut feeling, I would say so because, you know, it's a, it's a monumental thing for all of Korea, I feel, not just Jeju's.
name is Yongjago. Uh, I'm I'm living here in Jeju, Jeju ah, City, near okay. near here. Okay. What do you What do you do? So I'm stud I'm a researcher in Jeju culture and the tra traditions. Okay. Yeah. So why did you come here today? Today, after after my workings, I just uh, drop drop by, and also there are many many friends here. Okay. So just uh, to see. How was your family affected by four three? But uh, my family is uh, uh, fortunately, we in my family there is uh, no victims, but relatives. There are some relatives uh, are victims. Is my mother's uh, said said that. Anyway, uh, we have our family also uh, sh share uh, sh share this uh, tragedy. So four three is. An opportunity to remember, to think about the tragedy. Yes, naturally, uh, uh, not automatically. When I when I talk about uh, this uh, this uh, four three so to my uh, to my to my uh, brothers, they okay, they are they think something. Okay. Something. Yeah. And for Jeju, how does Jeju remember four three? From uh, this step, this step, I think uh, so many people, uh, so many people uh, forget this uh, uh, four three instance. But now, in my opinion, say it is the official official ceremony. It's uh, uh, allowed to judge people to to learn to think about this. So in this step, in this uh, stage, this. Uh, it's uh, especially the judge uh, providence of office and official official organizations. Since 1997, people could talk about the 43. Is that correct? Yeah, officially yes. But uh, before, before there's uh, some numbers. Uh, not some now. One number uh, is uh, written by Hyun Gi Young. Uh -huh. So you know, it's uh, Suni Samchons. He uh, he lot he lot this numbers uh, in 1970s, late 1970s. At that times, this uh, this book was interdicted, interdicted to sales. You know, so but but in the in the background, when I was uh, also when I was a student in university, we. Uh, we read okay. the books. Okay. It's a very short, but it is very, very, how say, influential, influential, influential. influential. Was this a was this among our, our Genera generation? Generation, yes. Was the book a secret book? Not, not right now. No, it's but a very, very famous. At that time, it was very dangerous. It was regarded. Uh, Regarded, yeah. very dangerous and secret. Okay. Yeah. So, do you think Korean people have faced the history of Sasam? Yes and no. So, they know, most of people know this, uh, this day, the Sasam, but. Uh, I don't think they understand more, more in details. Uh -huh. Anyway, now we are 
we are the two countries. Uh, we have is uh, North Korea, yeah. North Korea. Okay. So we have to uh, understand, uh, learn this uh, Sasan's uh, from from this uh, political situations. Uh -huh. You know. Okay. So that's why uh, some pe uh, most of people to to habit habit to, mm -hmm. to, to mm -hmm. talk about. Uh, this kind of uh, political conflict uh, yeah. because uh, even we talk about uh, this but we don't we can't see it's an uncomfortable topic yeah. because the solution uh -huh. the solutions are difficult uh -huh. Uh -huh. So. the president of South Korea Park Kyung Hye she didn't come here yeah. today for the ceremonies should she have been here as a, as a president uh, she uh, the president uh, has to has to participate Participate because uh, this, uh, this day, uh, I'll say, uh, two years ago, this uh, admit, admit, appointed Administration. Administration. Administrations. Administrations. Mm -hmm. today. Uh, it's a national, national ceremony. Right. Uh, from two years ago. Okay. That's why it's the president uh, has to, has to present. Mm -hmm. to participate to to say officially uh, to, okay. to Korean peoples, but, uh, but not, <laughs> not just Bakune. As I I talk about just the president, even political even leaders, pol uh, political leaders. Yeah, yeah, they should be here. My name is David, and uh, I'm from Los Angeles. I was originally born in Korea, but I immigrated to the U.S. when I was about 9, 10 years old, and I just came back after graduation, um, graduation from college to kind of check it out. You know? Why did you come down here today? Uh, I came to check out the April 3rd event that's happening in Jeju City. Uh, that, that's happening after the, the major one that happened in the morning. So, yeah. And you're at the one in the morning, too? Uh, yes. So I, I, I went there when I just, it just began, so it was a... Uh, it was quite interesting. What was it like? How many people were there? Uh, I, you know, it's really hard to measure, but there were, I, I mean, I, I could guess about a thousand people. I mean, there was huge people. And there, it was very, very extremely misty. Um, and then everybody was wearing like a raincoat. That was white raincoat. So it was actually a very um, symbolically interesting event because it, it felt like there was like an apparition, like a ghostly kind of uh, atmosphere there. 
Um, and yeah, and there was just basically uh, marches and, and music and just uh, speeches and people going up and just celebrating the dead and things like that. So, yeah. uh, when did you first hear about 4-3? Uh, I heard it um, actually through one of the locals here uh, who was like studying a PhD. Uh, and then he told me about some of the, the so-called communist uprisings, and I really wanted to, to uh, learn about this just because it's a very interesting history to realize that Jeju is so par apart from the mainland history. Was your family affected by 4-3, or you're not from Jeju? I'm actually not from Jeju. I have a house. I had a house in Jeju, in Gangjung, actually. Um, but we weren't, uh, like, we didn't come from Gangjung. But uh, because we, we lived there for a little bit, uh, we had a second house there. Um, my family was always aware of what's happening in terms of, you know, the, the naval base issue, in terms of, like, the Chinese investments and so forth. So when I came here, like, my, my parents already informed me about this. Uh, so we weren't, I, I wasn't involved in it, but I, we were always kind of aware of it, at least as an outsider. Have you heard any first-hand accounts about uh, people who people whose families were affected by uh, 4-3? I didn't really have like the time to interview people, but I, but I did listen to people who were being interviewed by the major like KBS reporters. But it was very devastating to hear about them talk about just you know just these extreme massacre that just happened. You know about um, you know these young people being shot left and right, being burned, their houses being burned down, and they were screaming and in front of the uh, the murals and stuff like that. It was very visceral. But at the same time, there was this like whole media coverage, like taking pictures of all of that. So there was a lot of disturbance from the media people, but it still felt like a very um, tense uh, event. As, as, as a nation, have Koreans faced that history of the tragedy, in your opinion? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, like, it's, it's interesting because I, I think the only history that we really talk about that's political is the, the 1980s. Uh, you know, sort of, you know, when we, uh, when the police beat down the citizens, especially the university students. I mean, that's like the most talked about kind of um, event. And in fact, my parents, that's all they talk about. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, don't get, don't be involved in anything political because the police will be. I mean, this is sort of the the history that most citizens have. But when it comes to like local histories, they don't really know, especially in terms of Jeju. So April third is, I mean, historically it's been forgotten and it's just being kind of digged, uh, it's dug, it's dug up, but. Uh, in terms of the public memory in general, no, it's not something that's nationally recognized until a very recent history. So. When did your parents immigrate to the States? Uh, we all actually immigrated at the same time when I was right. 10, so it was a uh, year about 2000, okay. uh, January 2000. But they grew up as part of the 70, 80 generation? Oh, yes, of course, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, they were part of that generation, yeah. South Korea's president did not attend this morning's commemoration ceremony. Should she have been there? I mean, that's an obvious yes. I mean, that, that's that's just without question. I think she should have been there. Um, I mean, there was the, the provincial head, the Won Hiryong, the Chichita. Um, but I don't, I don't think that really makes up for the president. I mean, there was their videos about her, her being there before, but no, she, uh, but I think, yes, she should have definitely been there. Why do you think she wasn't? I mean, I think it's a very political move, right? I mean, it, her father was kind of involved in this. I mean, it would be really interesting to see your daughter uh, attend for this event. But yeah, I, I just think it's definitely just a political move. And uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't really know the exact history, but yeah, I think that's my opinion, yeah. My name is Lauren, and I'm from California. My name is Jason, and I'm from California. Why did you guys come here today? I work with an artist uh, named Dohee Lee, and she is uh, she lives in Oakland, California, but she's a native of Jeju. And um, her work, uh, she's an activist artist, and her work centers around, uh, in part, uh, the 
Harbor 3 massacre and the naval base. I'm here with Jason because he works in the Dogi, and we're staying with um, some people who made a film okay. that relates to this awesome. here in Jeju. So you guys don't live on Jeju? We don't no. live on Jeju. So when did you first hear about 4-3? Oh. Well, probably a few years ago, working with uh, on this project. Um, I had never heard of it before. I'd never heard of Jeju Island, and um, over the past few years of working on this on this project, I've come to understand I, the basic, get a basic understanding of uh, of what Jeju Island is and, and what happened. So, what have you heard about the effects of Four Three on Jeju and its people? Well, uh, our project, uh, we work a lot of, um, it's, one of the big themes is generational trauma, and um, I, don't to I don't understand personally, um, I'm trying, one of the reasons of coming here is trying to understand better what, what the piece is about, um, and uh, so I know that there are deep scars um, in, in the land and in the people from all, all the all the people that were killed, and not only that, but I, I, I assume or I, I understand that it would make extra sensitive the fact that they're building a naval base here. And I, I think it I, it shapes my guess is it shapes the mentality and the spirit of the people here now that they live through that and uh, and their connection with Korea and their connection with Japan, China, the whole thing. Okay. It's really obviously it's really complicated and I'm I'm wrapping my mind around it, you know, after years of working on this and pulling in images and reading and like then going to Wikipedia and try to understand and then reading, you know, other sources and then going back to the to the artwork and starting to come together and paint a picture of what it is because it's very far away from my reality. Your collaborator, who's a Jeju person, uh, do you know how her family was affected by 4-3? Um, I don't. Uh, I actually don't know that part. Um, I know that her father is a military guy, and I know that that's affected her uh, greatly in her life uh, in terms of searching and, and ultimately coming to the U.S. looking for like the freedom to create the kind of art that she was looking to create because um, she wouldn't have had the freedom to do it here um, and now looking for ways to come back and bring that art to uh, back to Korea and Jeju. So South Korea's president, she did not attend the morning ceremony which was the official ceremony commemorating 67 years since the 4-3 tragedy. Should she have been here? I mean one of the craziest things to me that sums it up in a way, I mean there's so many different ways of looking at it, but maybe you know the exact date, but it wasn't until the 1990 whatever, 1995 that it was illegal to talk about and it was illegal to talk about the massacre, so clearly it's all sorts of messed up because not only, not only like did the thing happen, but if the government has that vested interest to make a make it a crime to talk about it, then nobody's dealing with it. And and what what we have talked about, um, like with our other Korean friends, um, and and I think also with with our with the artists I work with, Dohee, people just didn't talk about it. Um, growing up 
she heard, I, and I actually, I think this is maybe going back to the question you said before. Um, she heard four three, like it was meant, like you would hear that as like the date of a something, but it wasn't talked about what happened. And people, it seems, come into uh, understanding of it later through various means because it's not in the public discourse. So if there's ever going to be any sort of like reconciliation, um, and if you're ever going to really deal with the issue of the of the naval base, the the government should be here in some capacity. But if they just want to build a naval base and they don't really care about the the local consequences, then. I, I get why you wouldn't want to be here. After the massacre, the South Korean government covered up the Jeju uprising and outlawed the Workers' Party of South Korea and threatened beatings, torture, and prison for any mention of the Jeju massacre. A cave on Hollow Mountain with remains from the massacre was sealed and the event was purged from historical records. Since reinstatement of civilian rule in the 1990s, however, the South Korean government has acknowledged and apologized for the suppression and the massacre. Today, efforts are still being made to understand the scope of it and to compensate survivors. That's the Korea file for this week. Tune in next week to hear John Dunbar speak on Korean cults, urban exploration in Korea, and the Korean punk rock scene. From Duxu Village on Jeju Island, I'm Andre Goulet. Thank you.